So we'll just take literally a minute or two before I begin to speak. So you can shut your eyes and just connect with you, with this experience. Notice, even as you prepare to listen, that your breath can soften you and relax you. And let everything happen. If there's a dog walking through, if, if there's restlessness, if there's a lot of thinking, let it be here. Let it be present. So I want to talk to you a little bit. You can open your eyes if you want about the bardo. In Tibetan Buddhist tradition, the bardo is a transition state. And typically, we think of the bardo as that realm that we enter when we die, when we're between lives. But what doesn't get stressed enough, in my view, is the fact that in this life, we die and die and die and die. We die of embarrassment. This is something children know at a very young age and have visceral memories of. We die of shame. We die of heartbreak, of disappointment. When people and things that we place great trust in prove to be untrustworthy. When things that seem like certainties to us just change radically. When we endure great upsetting loss, loss of people, loss of relationships, loss of jobs, loss of a life we thought we could depend on, we enter the bardo. We enter a transition state. And we know that feeling. Has anyone here not endured the end of a relationship? Anyone? Where someone who seemed to be one way was suddenly another way. And in the bardo, you see, there would be big representations in Tibetan Buddhism of strange and sometimes benevolent or wrathful deities. The world becomes strange and ominous and unknown to you. It's unknown territory. And the advice that's typically given is to not be taken by that to head for the light, for your light. So I want to explore that a little bit. So first of all, we die and die and die and die. And we can agree on this. And the collective group of us have died many times in this lifetime of embarrassment, of shame, of disappointment, of betrayal, 
we've had that feeling of shattering and entering a weird realm. So I want to tell you a little story about that. I once had a friend who lost a child, the worst thing that can happen. And I now have four friends to whom this has happened. But the extraordinary thing about this friend is that as the years passed, and it took a while, he changed. He became completely different. He went from being someone who was very bright, but a bit of a know-it-all, to someone who was like a campfire. You were just drawn to him to sit with him because when you sat with him there would be this feeling of being in a mutual state of wonderment about life kind of like how it can be to be sometimes with very old people in the very best way old they're kind of marveling at things and drawing you into their marveling and I reflected for a long time on what happened to him. What happened? How did he come to be this way? Especially in the wake of something so shattering. And I've come to realize that sometimes some people in the midst of loss penetrate to what the Buddha called the Four Noble Truths or the Four Truths. That in the wake of a tremendous loss, there can be no denying the fact that much of our suffering comes from clinging to things that change. Another way they say it is that it's born of ignorance. Same thing. Ignorance or delusion about the fact that things change. They're things that we cling to. And there was just no denying that. So what happened was this kind of opening. So that the very thing that we most fear, we don't like change. We're so armored against it. But it's also a source of life. Life is change. And sitting with him would be like, you know, those wonderful people who are like, my father was like this in his 90s, right before he died, where he turned to me and said, isn't life a ball, Tracy? You know, like, isn't life unpredictable? Who saw that coming? That quality. So what I want to say is, now how do we get there? How do we get here? Well, I've realized something in, the, in this time that I used to say, and somebody very rightly corrected me, that I wanted this to be a safe space. And this person very wisely said, some of us don't feel safe. If you have trauma, you don't feel safe. So I wished for her to never feel safe again in this space, meaning be as you are that there's another way to understand what we do, which is that the root of the word sacred is to set apart. So that in the midst of our suffering, and we might come to a space like this, this is how we enter the bardo. In the middle of strife, we can have very difficult days. I had a difficult day today, full of strife, full of disagreement. But there was something different in the midst of it. And in the midst of where I would typically say, oh, I've wasted hours arguing. It was fruitless. I refused 
to judge myself. I refused to reject my experience. So I was just walking down the road full of a sense of how I am, how I was being. My littleness. Last week, I read an extraordinary quote from the great monk Thomas Merton, who was regarded by Tibetan Buddhist yogis as being independently enlightened. And the quote was, I am the utter poverty of God. I am his emptiness, his littleness, his nothingness, his lostness. And when this is understood, I'm free. And one way to understand that is that you're having a day where you're arguing or you're wasting time or you're having a lot of strife or you're triggered in all kinds of ways. And you say, I am, this is littleness. This is my nothingness. This is my poverty. This is me being in front of, of how I am. But not with a spirit of, I must fix this. I must correct this. Or I must be right. But with a sense of fully accepting it, touching it investigating it, or as Sylvia Borstein would put it, oh, sweetheart, you're in pain. Let's sit with this. Let's investigate, and then we'll see what to do. We fully, fully open to our humanity in our loneliness, in our confusion in our whatever is going on. And in that moment, in that moment of refusing to reject ourselves, we may feel welcomed into life. What Merton would call the fullness of grace, that you're part of life, you belong to it. This is who you are. And you're welcome. And that state of transition, that bardo, where everything seems so uncertain and so dark, suddenly you're not striving for certainty. Suddenly you're open to having a feeling of presence. The body's present. The feeling is present. The sensation is present. Your mind is present. Your capacity for responsiveness and kindness and resilience is present. You're present. And it's like taking root in your life again taking root and an experience of being. And someone reminded me today that one way to take the measure of being is our capacity to bear, to just bear what's happening. It's the opposite of their relentless quest for certainty. So we're living in a time of tremendous uncertainty of friends on the West Coast are speaking more and more frequently about apocalypse because of we're seeing in these fires, these towering, well, I don't have to tell you, you've seen it, towering columns of fire that have tornadoes inside, things that we've never seen before. Frightening, division, 
in this country. And my daughter called this morning. She lives in England. And she said, Mommy, there's bad news on every continent. Every single continent. There is no continent that you can turn to at this point for some good news. <laughs> it's not happening. And But I looked up the word apocalypse. And it comes from an ancient Greek root that means to uncover or to reveal. To uncover or to reveal in the midst of apocalypse, whether it's personal or global. What we're seeing is a truth. And seeing the truth, seeing that things change. And that was the Buddha's deepest truth. And that we cling to things insisting that they not change. And that causes tremendous suffering. Opens a door to us, to what we can do together, which is learn how to take root to be the mother tree, to take root in our lives, to be present. Body, heart, and mind, to practice together how to be here in the midst of uncertainty. So in the midst of our greatest sense of littleness, we can connect with the fullness of life. That life is emergent. That surprises come. Friendship, love, support, help, rain. So let's sit in the middle of it all and see how it feels to take a comfortable seat, to give yourself welcome and do what you need to do. Some people like to turn off their cameras. Some people like to leave them on. But how does it feel for you to bring your attention to yourself? And to let everything be here exactly as it is. without any kind of striving. And notice that it can be as simple as bringing the attention to the feet, to the sensation of the feet on the earth. And then allow sensation to spread. To notice the legs and the torso. To notice the shoulders and the neck. And way the arms hang down. and the hands and the fingers. And notice the way the head rests on the neck. And 
then let yourself take in an impression of the whole of yourself. And notice the rhythm of the breathing. The in-breath and the out-breath. Without seeking to change it in any way, just notice this ancient rhythm. And see that whenever you get taken by thinking, by remembering, you can gently come home again to the sensation of being present. Letting the stillness soften you, surrounding you, supporting you. Letting yourself be touched by stillness, by an attention that doesn't judge, that welcomes you just like this.
And notice that the stillness isn't without activity. It's as if we're being nourished by air and also by impressions. Life is coming in. When you get lost, gently come home again, back to sensation, back to the breath, back to life. Notice how it feels to let everything happen to you. To give yourself to presence.
I noticed that this movement of return, of coming home to sensation, softens and opens us. See how it feels to allow things to change. Starting with the breath. To let yourself be breathed. Just let it happen. Notice that you can come home to sensation and allow yourself to be held by an attention that doesn't judge, that sees and receives.
Notice how it feels to allow things to change. To soften and open to what is. Remembering that we belong to a greater life. That we're not alone. So as you open your eyes and come back, I invite you to see how it would feel to not fight change, to realize that the Buddha's great insight is that we're constantly in a state of fight, flight, freeze, around change. And what would it be like to cultivate an ability to be with it, to let go of that fight? This is the practice, in a sense, as um, the great poet Rilke wrote in letters to a young poet, let everything happen to you, joy and terror, just keep going. No feeling is final. To cultivate this ability to be with things as they unfold without insisting on permanence. It could bring a freedom, don't you think? Just saying. So thank you for listening to me and for your meditation. And if you have any questions or observations, I would be very happy to hear them. So how's your friend doing now? The one who water. 
well, he's not alive anymore. But um, he had a very good life at the end because, um, you know, not to minimize how, how big it is to lose a child. I did, and a lot of his friends witness a shift towards um, embracing um, life. Like this idea that touches me more and more that we can get through this together. You know, as opposed to um, this lonely pursuit of something to hold on to to open to getting through this thing, this life with friends, trusting heart qualities like kindness and curiosity and compassion and wisdom. It's a very different feeling. And that was the feeling I had with him. Does that make sense? It really was like drawing close to a fire. And as people, um, I think it was Elizabeth Gilbert who said this, that the women that she was drawn to didn't get that way because nothing ever happened to them. They got that way because shit happened to them. And they handled it in all different kinds of ways. But those are the people you usually want to sit with. Am I right? Nobody wants to be around someone who's perfect. Nobody. Even the Buddha. I just wanted to, um, I guess I'm partially saying it out loud for myself, but you know, you were talking about change and I was thinking, I really want things to change. I really don't like the way things are. And I guess part of what I needed to articulate for myself is that change, be, being, being open to change includes changing the way you think things should be or changing the way you think you want things or that you need things to be. Yeah, yeah, it's very much. And the thing, and it almost, it goes back to Merton that, and I've, I read a quote from, um, Jung, but I don't even need these fancy quotes from fancy people. It's like right at the moment when life feels unbearable, unbearable, that you can't take another minute of this the way it is. It's then that something sometimes shifts. And it might start this shift with this feeling of like, the hell with it. I give up. Something like that. And then sometimes it can soften and open into this feeling of, I am going to live a different way. I'm not going to live caring about being right or having making things the way I want it to be. I'm going to give myself this radical permission and it can really honestly feel like the last resort. Like I have nothing left to lose. So I may as well enjoy the way the air feels on my skin. And entertain the idea that I could live a whole new life based on just being warm-hearted. So, that, you know what I'm saying? So, in that, notice those moments where it's like, I can't stand this anymore. Because it's right then, Mary Ellen, that something can shift. I know it can feel like, oh, this is like a booby prize. You know, that here I am in hell and I get to go make muffins or something, you know. Thanks, Tracy. <laughs> but what you can really be cultivating is a new life 
an intention to live in this wholehearted, whole-bodied way. And that going forward, things are not going to hurt the way they did because I have a taste for what it feels like to have a life that doesn't depend on things going the way I think they should. It's true. It's true. Plus, this will change. This will change, Mary Ellen. And this state that we're in, or that you're in, will not be permanent, and it will be replaced by new conditions. And you, this can leave a taste. But we'll see. I'm going to check back in with you in like six weeks and see if things, <laughs> how you're feeling, <laughs> if things have changed. But notice that all of us taking the heat off one person, that so much of our suffering is around, things will not change. It will always be this way. Have you ever felt like that? It's like, I've, here I am at rock bottom, where I always knew I would end up <laughs> emotionally or somehow rock bottom. And here I will stay. But it's not true. It's not true. So let's close with just for a moment. <sighs> Letting our eyes close. Feeling very grateful for this practice and for each other. We put two hands in our heart space and we let the feeling we have, our wish, our deepest wish, that we be free, that we be safe that we be truly happy. We let it shine out to our friends here and out and out to embrace the whole world without exception. And offer the wish, may all beings everywhere be safe and protected. May they be truly happy May they know that they belong to life. May they be completely and utterly free. Thank you. Thank you for your practice and for your beautiful presence. Thank you for showing up and sharing yourself with us. And take very good care of yourselves. And I look forward to seeing you again.